This is Limitless Spirit, a practical, inspirational, and thought-provoking weekly podcast about the impact of faith and Christian identity in today's world. And now here's your host, champion of Jesus and people who love Him, world traveler and co-founder of World Missions Alliance, Helen Todd. Welcome to episode 18 of the Limitless Spirit podcast. In the previous episode, we started the conversation with Dr. Jen Thomas on the subject of depression during the COVID-19 pandemic. One of the aspects of this conversation was the discussion why Christians and especially Christian leaders have a difficult time confronting their depression and the fact that sometimes faith alone is not enough to win this battle. While this episode was edited, there were two new high-profile cases of suicide among Christians. One of them was a Manhattan ER doctor, Dr. Lorna Breen, and the other was a megachurch pastor, Darren Patrick. It seems like this conversation is extremely important. If you missed the previous episode, we talked about the fact that depression is one of the largest health issues in the world, that it is in many cases genetically inherited and most likely not completely curable. In this episode, we will talk about why antidepressant medications are helpful for some and not for others. How can a person find out what medication works best for them? Who is most at risk for depression? And what are some of the ways we can help a loved one with depression? Dr. Jennifer Thomas is a clinical psychologist, a TED Talk speaker, an author, and a follower of Christ. We start with her response to my question concerning antidepressants. In terms of the second part of your question, first you asked about, is there a cure? And then the second part made me think about some research I've been reading about in terms of genetics and, you know, why are some people more prone to depression? And I don't take completely the traditional line. I have some questions about pharmaceutical companies and how are they being compensated? And really my emphasis is on health and wellness. And I have some concerns about maybe our supplements that could help not being given to people because they don't have a prescription label on them. And how are the incentives aligned? And what we know now is the incentives are aligned for people to get on medicine and stay on it for life. Whereas my desire is for people to be able to get remedies that are going to work and where they don't have to take a pill every day. So I've done a lot of reading, as I mentioned, with genetic research. One that has piqued my interest of late is a gene called MTHFR. And it seems to be more common in people who have a lot of mental health issues, as well as the substance abuse that you mentioned at the top of the program. And so I'm looking at that and I'm hoping as we go forward with a better understanding of our genetics that we'll be able to tailor treatments to compensate for these genetics that people may have that explain why they're more apt to be depressed. And the concern with the medications, I think, also is the side effects that they cause, especially in young people. It seems like and I mean, I'm not against medication, but I feel like in some cases they're just counterproductive. And besides, like, and I correct me if I'm wrong, you know, when we 
take Tylenol, we don't cure the cause of our headache. We just help, it just helps us cope with it. And that's how I see the antidepressants essentially. Yeah. Antidepressants are interesting in that they're their method of action is to take the neurotransmitters that we have and allow them to circulate longer. That was eye-opening for me to learn when I was a graduate student. I, I kind of thought you were taking a happy pill, that you were taking serotonin, but you're actually not. They call them SSRIs because they selectively reduce the body's tendency to eliminate serotonin. So if, if we think of ourselves as having garbage trucks, that takes serotonin out, it slows down the garbage trucks so that our natural serotonin can circulate longer. And so for people who are very depressed and have been uncomfortable trying a medicine, sometimes when I explain that method of action, it helps them to be able to say, well, maybe I'll give it a try and see if it helps me to maybe just genetically, I have a tendency to clean out my serotonin too quickly. And so I have seen people benefit from that. On the other hand, as we learn more about our genetics, we're learning some things about why certain people benefit from SSRIs for depression and other people don't. And there's a a percentage of people who cannot metabolize the chemicals in SSRIs. And I personally have done my 23andMe profile and what my holistic doctor and I recognized when I got a report is that I'm one of the people who cannot metabolize SSRIs. And the doctor told me that if I took it, I would probably build it up to a toxic level and feel quite irritable and uncomfortable before I would ever feel happy. And they see that in maybe 20% of their patients. And so my hope is that that 20% of people who are like me wouldn't have to suffer through trying one SSRI after another, but could actually get a genetic report that would give us a leg up on which medicines would help. The testing that Dr. Jen is talking about is known as a pharmacogenomics, a test that determines how your body metabolizes certain medications based on your DNA. I am posting a link to an article on the Mayo Clinic website that explains how it works more in detail, but it boils down to this. If before the standard practice for a person who was prescribed antidepressants was to go through a long and painful process of trial and error for the doctor to find out which medication works best and which doesn't, the genetic testing can let the doctor and the patient come up with a better treatment plan in a much shorter amount of time. In this article, you can also find the links to the places when you can have this testing done. And Dr. Jen mentioned the place uh, 23andMe where she had hers. I will also post the links to the Columbia Protocol And if you suspect that your loved one struggles with depression and you suspect that they might be suicidal, there is no time even to listen to the end of this podcast. Ask them the right questions and dial the number for help. This is very interesting. Thank you for this. Yeah, it seems like hopefully that they continue in that research, there might be a light at the end of the tunnel. Now, according to the statistics, the people that are at highest risk for the major depressive disorder are 
teenagers, ages 15 to maybe in their early 20s, and specifically females. Why do you think that is? Well, it's sort of a million-dollar question. One thing we know is that there's a lot of pressure on teenagers. Their hormones are changing, and they're going through some major life transitions, like leaving home and going either out into the working world or going off to college. And then that certainly a lot of academic pressure in high school, even trickling down to middle school now, the pressure to build a strong college application, that pressure is getting off the charts. And at some point, you know, we as a society are going to need to talk about, well, we still want our teenagers to have time to get out and be in the sunshine and have time to go to bed and be asleep by midnight or earlier. I myself have three teenagers And I see the pressure for them. If they did all the homework that their peers are doing, they might be up until 2 or 3 a.m. And yet we know that that would be counterproductive and not good for their health. They need to make their melatonin and other neurotransmitters during those sleeping hours so that they're going to feel healthy. And then in terms of why it might be females more than males, if that is borne out, you know, that's maybe a few studies, if it is a trend for sure. I can say I certainly have seen a lot of young females who have pressure to perform and to who are somewhat perfectionistic. There's kind of a mindset where I have to get the best grades. I have to please my parents. I have to meet these physical expectations. I have to get enough likes on social media or followers. So it's really more than any person should be expected to accomplish And I I do think that that's a societal problem that we're going to need to look at to see how we could take some pressure off of our young men and women. So do you think the pressure on teenagers is higher than the pressure on, let's say, people in their late 20s or early 30s or even later in life? Well, my dissertation research was on couples. And I do think that there's a protective effect when you settle down with someone that you can help encourage each other and you often pool your resources. So for example, if you're worried about losing your job, maybe that is reduced if you have a partner who would continue to be able to pay the rent. But when you're younger and you're on your own, especially like a recent college grad, that could be quite frightening. That's a great point, actually. So so marriage or companionship improves the situation. And that's my understanding from what you said. So that brings me to my next question. What is the best way to help a loved one with who struggles with depression? Not as a medical professional, not through medication, but just through that love of being a relative or a friend. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to keep the lines of communication open. And I would encourage people not to be afraid to talk about it. But if you have someone close to you who has had a prior suicide attempt or who is talking about feelings of hopelessness to say, hey, this is really important. Let's put aside what we're doing or turn off this show and let's really get real about this. And Columbia University has created a resource to help people um, It's called um, the Columbia Protocol, and it has one, two, three, four, five, six questions 
that you can ask people if you're worried about whether they're suicidal or not. And it's actually like a printable card that you can print out and carry around. And then at the bottom of the card, it has the phone number for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. And I want to give that number here as well. It's 800-273-TALK. And their website is suicidepreventionlifeline.org. We will post these uh, resources in our show notes for our listeners to be able to have access to that. What would be the signs to watch? Sometimes people are not forthcoming, you know, with their struggle. And so what, what would you say are the signs to watch out for in a loved one to recognize that they're potentially struggling with depression? Yeah, so some warning signs would be if you know that they've experienced something that very upsetting or could feel like the end of the world for them, then it's important to ask some questions, real questions about how are you doing? Do you need some more support? Do you need a counselor? And just trying to come alongside them regularly. If you're able to ideally maybe see them daily or go for a walk daily with your social distancing in place, if you don't live with them, but six feet or more apart, we're still encouraged to exercise or call them on the phone, text them, do a Zoom call with them. So you get eyes on them and you can see for someone who's very hopeless, they may have um, really flat emotions. So you won't see the smiles that, that you might have normally with them. So you're looking for a change in mood and then also just a, a change in their tone of voice. They might get very, we call it flat, but they might seem kind of like emotionally they're dead and that's a sign that they need help. And then I would listen to them and watch them. So listen for words that sound hopeless, like, well, nothing matters, or a sense of the future being very short, like, well, I'm not going to be around then, or that doesn't matter. I don't need to make future plans. And then watching what they do, you know, watch to see if they are taking steps towards their future and are maintaining their job if they have a job and beware of warning signs. Um, like if they were giving away their most valuable possessions, that's a, a big red flag that they're in their own way saying goodbye. And we don't want that to happen. What we say about suicide is that it's a, a permanent solution and a bad one for problems that really are temporary. And so for the person who may be thinking about giving away their possessions or having thoughts about ending their life, what I want to say is hang in there and get some help because if you can sort of tie a knot in the rope and hang on, what you'll find is that there are better days down the road. And with the shutdown, there is a lot of hope and we're going to get through this by working together and coming together in community. And that's why I feel like, you know, just staying in touch with each other, even if we're physically isolated, is very important. And even for people who don't struggle with depression, getting a call or a message from someone and knowing that someone's thinking of you is very, very encouraging. That's right. As I was preparing for this interview, I was talking to a friend and she has a close person in her life who struggles with a major depressive disorder and it's a young woman. And because of that condition, she struggles with her life, you know, and being able to pay her bills. And so her mother 
constantly helps her and bails her out of these financial difficulties. And so my friend said, the mother of this young woman struggles with the question, is she enabling her by constantly helping her? Or should she continue and it's just showing support? What would be your answer to that? Yeah, I would say there's, it depends on the situation. And um, we know certainly in the AA literature and the Al-Anon program, which is wonderful, they talk about that you've got to let people hit rock bottom and don't keep trying to bail them out. If you do, you're just being codependent. And there's a good book, classic book called Codependent No More, that that mother could read to kind of look at herself and to say, well, am I being codependent with her? But on the other hand, what I find is if a person isn't functioning, that they really need some more help. And so I would want to get more either medical doctors or counselors on the scene to figure out, is this a traditional depression we're talking about? Or is this bipolar disorder where you get fluctuations or cycles of depression and mania where people get very energetic and very excited, or it may actually show up more as irritability and then they go right back into depression. And for those people, SSRIs may not be the most helpful thing. There are other medicines that are better for bipolar. So it's really important to get with an expert on that, which I am not, and to see if the right medicine can be found and combine that with a good counselor who could help not only the daughter who's struggling, but also the mom to help her look at her boundaries and when you know, what her motivations are and what she can do to really truly be helpful. And then also the spiritual um, piece of the puzzle is very important. If the daughter is interested in spiritual matters to help her have a community of support that encourages her in her faith. So to sum it up, you think that the person who struggles with depression, and it's an ongoing thing, they should be properly diagnosed first and foremost to be sure that it is a depression and not maybe something else Mm -hmm. that requires a different treatment. And then, of course, you know, have the, the support of their loved ones and then the counseling and possibly even medication to some extent. Exactly right. So as a Christian and a person who believes that faith can give us a source of hope, what do you tell your patients? Maybe there are scriptures that you encourage them to specifically read, or is there anything that you can recommend to people who struggle? Yeah, so my co-author, Gary Chapman, and I have written When Sorry Isn't Enough, and we actually are encouraging people during this shutdown to consider doing some scripture memory as a couple, if you're you know, in a partnership, but don't have kids or as a family, if you have kids still nearby. And one of the verses that I would recommend for that is Jeremiah 29, 11, where surely we know the plans God has for us, plans to give us a future and a hope or a hope and a future. And I think that's so important during this time where the word picture I use for the shutdown is that if we were on a record player with some great tracks coming up, some wonderful spring events we were looking forward to, and maybe some travel, the needle has been lifted from the record player of our lives. And those dates are spinning on past us 
without us being able to engage in those events. But what the Bible tells us is that our future is not lost, that God gives us a future and a hope. Amen. Thank you so much for this interview. And uh, I hope that it will help some of our listeners, some of them who are maybe struggling with depression or the people who have loved ones that they would like to help. Yes, may it be so. And thank you for having me on the show to talk about this critical topic. While it is extremely important to have your condition properly diagnosed and treated, I believe that a genuine concern from a person that cares about you can be extremely helpful for a person struggling with depression and maybe in some cases even save lives. In a culture where our lives and personalities are on a constant display due to technology and the influence of social media, there is a huge vacuum for meaningful and personal relationships and human interaction. And we must not let this pandemic erode the sense of closeness and community that we all benefit from. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider supporting us. Any gift that you can give is sincerely appreciated and will help us to continue. Simply click on the link in the show notes or go to rfwma.org slash forward give. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Limitless Spirit with Helen Todd, produced by World Missions Alliance. Are you ready to step out of your comfort zone? Do you have a passion to help people and share your faith across the globe? Visit our website, rfwma.org, and get involved in the Great Commission through short-term missions. We hope you'll leave a review and check out other episodes. We'll be with you in a week on our next episode of Limitless Spirit.